the whole Moran family. Um, it's I've known them for a long time, and it is uh, it's when they talk about you all, and when they talk about this campus, um, like the world domination stuff isn't just talk. Uh, they have they have a firm conviction in who God is. Um, but they also have a firm conviction of what he can do through you. And I think, honestly, a lot of that is tied to what we're going to talk about tonight, which is really cool in my mind, just how the Lord works. Uh, and we, we talked about having this. Um, I was going to be in the area and, and to connect, um, you know, get the opportunity to connect with you all uh, uh, and share. And, and, you know, then we had the bummer that they all got COVID and can't come. But... Uh, yeah, I'm excited for tonight. I really believe the Lord wants to do something uh, in you, but but not to. It's not a destination moment. Um, it's for a, a bigger purpose. Like God is always. He's so cool about this. He gives us gifts for the privilege of giving away. It's it's like he uh, he gives us honor in that moment to give us something precious to give to other people. And a lot of that is centered in Jesus tonight. There was a, a slide from the worship time. Um, I think it was the first song, and it was getting into, I, I don't remember, I don't know musical language very much. I think we were into the chorus, um, where it's like we were, were fixed on you or something like that. Is that, is that up there? I, I, I love those lines right there, and I, I can't see them because of these gigantic columns. Um, but... When I, when I, we were singing this, this is, I felt like, man, this connects with my story with Jesus. Um, I, I didn't grow up going to church. That, that was not, I wasn't like opposed to church or anti-church or anything. I would have called myself a Christian, but I, I really didn't know anything. But I was interested in this girl um, a lot, uh, just a, really a whole lot. And she had something going on in her church and she, to which she invited me. And then I, I went to her church and Jesus interrupted my life. Um, this was 31 years ago. Uh, I was negative seven years old. No, I was 17 years old actually when that happened and it transformed my life uh, in that moment. And that top line, we are fixed on this one thing um, to see your goodness and uh, how, could you go back to it again? I'm so sorry. I should have just... <laughs> to know your goodness and see your glory. I feel like that, that line right there, and you can just leave it up for a minute. That line right there has like... I became the area director five years ago, and around the time I became the area director for the Northeast, I'd been serving on the campus at Fairmont State University that we're not really known for anything at Fairmont State other than Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, the greatest Olympic swimmer of all time. His mom graduated from Fairmont State. <laughs> but when I became the area director, um, I feel like the Lord challenged me uh, with a passage in John where he stood outside Lazarus's tomb and he told them, did I not tell you that if you believe, now this is before he raised Lazarus from the dead, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And we are fixed on this one thing, to know your goodness and see your glory. Like the, the full, like the manifestation of who Jesus is and the impact that has on people. Like when Jesus interrupted my life, it changed everything. I was not looking for him. I wasn't like hungry for him. I wasn't coming to stuff like you all are doing tonight. I just wasn't, you know, not anti, just unengaged, uh, not really interested. I mean, he just totally inter interrupted my life in that. Um, but it was funny, you know, I, 
I came for a girl and the Lord interrupted my life and I came to know Jesus. Um, but I was really good. For, I mean, we were really, we were just friends. We were just really friends and a whole, you know, I wanted more than friends, but we were friends. <laughs> but, you know, and then, so a couple months later, that was like in November of 1990, a couple months later, it's Valentine's Day. And as friends, we gave each other Valentine's cards or gifts, or something, but it was just friends. I, I, I'm sure it was a very respectful card I wrote to her that had a lot of like affirming and friendy type things. Um, and then we started dating a couple weeks later, which I'm, I'm really grateful for uh, because I ended up marrying her four and a half years after that. And a bit, oh, thank you. Yeah. So if she's watching on Instagram, hopefully she heard that because that was really cool. <laughs> We've been married for almost 27 years, um, which has been amazing. And we have talked to so many college students over the years about the Lord, about relationships, about dating, about marriage, uh, walking that all out. I've since becoming a minister and being involved in Chi Alpha, performed over 20 weddings and. I have, as I've sat with couples in premarital counseling, we've talked about these, this thing called the five love languages. Anybody have you ever, ever heard of that, the five love languages? Um, it's just, it was a book written several years ago trying to articulate how people express love and receive love. And sometimes there's miscommunication of like you're expressing love one way, but somebody likes to receive love a different way. And the, the five love languages are acts of service, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, and gifts. And um, gifts is not one of my like top ones. Um, I'm, I'm not like really phenomenal at giving gifts and I, I like receiving gifts, but I don't like go off the charts. My stepmother is insanely like, this is by far her number one uh, like way of expressing love. Christmas is like amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then she gets like these crazy deals. You're opening this gift and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe we got this. And then you realize she got it like 91% off, you know, and you're like, how did that even happen? And she's so fired up to give you this gift and that she got a deal on the thing. So like every Christmas, it's like you, you open up crazy gifts and amazing gifts and you're shocked by them. And then, and then she has rando gifts. Like every year I get three pounds of M&Ms. <laughs> Well, you can say, come on, but it goes to my hips every year. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't want to make anybody sin in that moment, so my bad. Um, but one year she bought me, she bought me one of these, and it, I opened it up, and I'm like, what? What do I do? Does anybody know what this is? Potato gun. Potato gun. I was probably 40 years old. And she, I'm 48. I mean, this is like, I was like 38, 40. She bought me a potato gun. And I'm like, what, what in the world? Other than I had kids and like, so obviously we took them home and we shot one another with, you just jam it in the potato, pull it out and then boom, jam it in, pull it out, boom. So you have pellets of potatoes. <laughs> I really hope that's on the recording. Oh, that was awesome. That was that may have been my favorite moment of the night aside from worship. That was pretty sweet. So, so I want to give a gift. I'm not phenomenal giving gifts, but I want to give a gift. I have four potato guns and two potatoes in here. I think it would be a blast for someone's core group. You can have it if you can tell me something from Rachel's message last week that impacted you. So it is right here. You come right up and have that. You just have to tell me something from Rachel's message last week that impacted you, that you really appreciated, liked. 
This is a test. This is only a test. You can look at your notes. Hey, you're more than welcome. Come on out. You can. Yeah, you got to come out. Yeah. And uh, tell us your name and what you appreciated about Rachel's message last week. Hi, Amber. Oh, sweet. So those are your four potato guns and two potatoes. So you may need to cut those in half, but then you'll have instant access to that better inner part. One recommendation about your potato guns, after you use them, I encourage rinsing them off under hot water because that starch can kind of build up inside. And that's, you know, none of us want that. Yeah. Jesus, like these five love languages, Jesus was adept at expressing them. He expressed um, acts of service. How about like dying on a cross? That's a pretty intense act of service. That he expressed quality time. How about three years, day in and day out with the 12 disciples? That's, that's a lot of quality time that he showed them. Physical touch, like when you weren't allowed to touch a leper or you would get their ick, he touched them and then healed them. And that kind of messed up the whole thing. Like how do you catch something from them then if you've healed them? Um, and uh, that words of affirmation, if you know John 21, when he restored Peter and kind of brought him back into the, the community of faith and, and being a disciple of Jesus. But he also gave gifts, man. He gave like dinner to 5,000 people at one moment, 4,000 people in another moment. But then there was this one gift, this one gift that Rachel talked about last week, this one gift where he told the disciples some of his last words in Acts chapter 1, wait for the gift my father promised you will be baptized with or in the holy spirit you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses when a guy you saw do miracles raise the dead touch lepers and they're healed teach like nobody's business you had been around the synagogue you had heard rabbis talk you had heard religious teachers drone on and on and on but when this guy talked it was a whole different ball game you had seen him answer questions like that you could not believe he answered or ask questions you'd never thought of asking. The, being around him was such an intense experience. And he says, I've got a gift for you. I'm sending it. Just, I just want you to wait on it. That's like the last command. I just want you to wait. Just want you to wait on this gift. If God has a gift that is promised, that is like that, that is spoken of with such anticipation by Jesus, man, you got to wait on the thing. You got to have it. You got to, you got to, I mean, you wonder what it is. What is this going to look like? And you realize when you start thinking about these folks that were following Jesus, man, they needed something. If he gave them this mission, hey, you guys are going to be my witnesses to the world. Their track record really was not good. It was actually pretty bad. They had not been real effective at telling others about Jesus not been real fruitful and a lot of times they wouldn't say anything and probably the most outspoken of Jesus's disciples was also the most notable for what he did not do in sharing about Jesus and that's Peter and tonight we're going to look at at Acts chapter 2 as was mentioned earlier and Acts is kind of the second volume of two books in in the in the New Testament Luke and Acts both, both written by the same guy Luke Luke is the gospel of Luke is the first volume Acts is the second volume and they track like what, what God did in and through Jesus and then what God does in and through his church via the Holy Spirit in both, like by the power of the Holy Spirit in both. And when you trace Peter's path through the book of Luke, it is really intriguing. 
And here's where he shows up. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, When Simon Peter saw this, a miracle that Jesus performed, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Introduction to Peter in the book of Luke is the abject horror that Peter has in the holiness of Jesus and his own sinfulness. Next chapter, chapter 6, verse 14, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, and several other guys are chosen by Jesus to be his disciples. So pretty good turnaround for Peter. Chapter 8, verses 45 and 51, they're going through a crowd. Jesus says, who touched me? Everybody denies it. And Peter says, uh, Master, everybody's crowding around you and pressing on you and touching you. And Jesus is like, hey, power came out of me in your numbskull. And then he gets to follow Jesus up into the house of Jairus and watch Jesus raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. Amazing. In chapter 9, uh, Jesus asks his disciples, who do the people say I am? And then, then they answer. And then he says to them, who do you say I am? And Peter answers. He says, God's Messiah. And Jesus affirms that and said, but you didn't come up with it on your own. The Father gave that to you. And later on in, verse, in chapter 9, about eight days after Jesus had said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. I love this one. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. The glory of Jesus, Jesus before he had come to earth, as he is in heaven. They saw him and two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, the three people, the two people that were with Jesus. And the Bible literally says he did not know what he was saying. I love that. The honesty there, like P Peter had no clue what in the world he was talking about in this moment. Then chapter 12, verse 41, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I don't get what's going on. Then chapter 18, verse 28, Peter, Peter says to him, we left all, all we had to follow you. Are you going to give us this kind of gifts as well? Are you going to give us this kind of return on our investment that we've made in you, Jesus? And then in chapter 22, verse 8, Jesus sends Peter and John out to go and make preparations to eat the Passover. And then a little bit later, Peter's sitting with the other disciples with Jesus, and Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you say you're going to do this, but before the rooster crows today, you'll deny three times that you even know me. And then the rest of the chapter outlines those three times where Jesus is arrested and Peter follows at a distance. He lands in a courtyard with some soldiers and servants. He warms himself around the same fire that the enemies of Jesus are warming themselves around. And they're saying, hey, you're one of them. He's like, no, 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 I'm not. No, no, you're, you're one of him, right? You're a Galilean. You're, you're, I can hear the accent. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not. And then he cries out, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And the Lord turns and looks straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. And before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. Jesus is condemned in these courts. He's crucified. He dies. And then the rumors start coming in that he's raised from the dead. And Peter, who had the last thing that Jesus hear him, hears him say is, I don't know him. Luke 24, 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. What's going on? And there's an interesting observation. While the Holy Spirit is mentioned repeatedly, Throughout the, the Gospel of Luke, God's Holy Spirit and Peter are never mentioned together. Peter always did everything in his own strength, in his own power, out of his own intellect, out of his own wisdom, 
with often very disastrous results, including this bold, I'll go to the death with you, Jesus. Peter, you're not going to make it through the night. If there's anyone who stood before Jesus and heard that final command, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth, and wondered, how's that going to be? Yes, he's died. Yes, he's resurrected. But they're still not telling a soul. They're still not talking to anybody. Peter needed a way, a way. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel Peter's story. <laughs> I know the times that I've recognized the nastiness of my own selfishness and the holiness of Jesus. I know the times that I've heard a teaching, I've read something in the Bible, and like, I don't get what you're saying. I don't understand. I know the times that I've stood before him and said, well, I've made big sacrifices. Am I going to get a return on my investment? I, I know the times where I've said a, good, a few good things, and he's like, calm down. There's no time for pride here. I know times where I've been sent out on menial tasks, it feels like, by Jesus, wondering, does this make any difference? I don't know if you've experienced any of those things, and whether your journey with Jesus is, is one week, one year, ten years. And honestly, if you, if, even if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, if you have read the Gospels, which are the part of the New Testament that, that show the life and teachings of Jesus, you're going to come away looking at Jesus' life and saying, no one can live like this. There's no one else who can do this. No one else can live like this. And even if you become a follower of Jesus, a lot of times we'll say to ourselves, yes, Jesus did that. And he was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. So that's why he was able to do all these things. But then Jesus told the disciples, hey, it's better if I leave. I'm, I am leaving the mission of God to reconcile the world to himself to you. And in fact, you will do even more than what I have done. Can, and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I can. Even, even if you give me forgiveness of my sins, even if you make my heart right, how in the world, how in the world can I do what you've done? How in the world can I speak like you've spoken with such authority, with such power, even in your, like your, your calm comments, such power? Peter needed a gift. The other 119 needed a gift. I need a gift. You need a gift. We need a gift. You know, the, the cool thing about Jesus, he does not condemn me for the ability that I have lacked. He invites me to respond to him, to turn from one way of life, to come to faith in Jesus, and to begin to follow him. He understands my inability so he makes a way for me to be reconciled to God, but then he doesn't want to leave me in that inability. He wants to give me ability to walk out this life, to demonstrate Jesus to the rest of the world, to let other people know who he is, his glory and his beauty, to experience his presence. Not as passive like third parties, but active participants with him through us, through his followers. And the last thing, Luke records Jesus talking about, I'm leaving you guys, but your gift is coming. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell the world about me, what I said, what I taught, what I did. 
And you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to have power to do what you haven't done before. And you know what's intriguing about this? They had no clue what any of this was going to look like. You may have heard what Faith was talking about earlier, and you're like, I don't really fully understand. I don't fully get it. You now know more than they did then. (laughs) Just from hearing Faith's story, just from me sharing a bit tonight, you know way more than the 120 that were gathered in a room, probably not nearly as big as this, knew at that moment. So Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father. 120 gather to wait and to pray. And then that little, little bit of wind starts blowing and a gift delivery truck comes. We pick it up in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We'll actually read 1 through 21, but I want to go 1 to 13 first. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, this 120. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Each of them. All of them. That's all 120. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Meaning they were speaking in languages they did not know. This is all 120. That means the 12 disciples of Jesus, including the one that replaced Judas that was now chosen by lots. Um, Instead of waiting for Jesus to give them the Holy Spirit so they could choose, they chose themselves. But um, that those 12, Mary, the mother of Jesus, if you look at the end of Acts chapter 1, the other women who followed basically as disciples of Jesus as well, Jesus' brothers are part of that crew of 120. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, conveniently in God's timing, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So every place that Jews were scattered around the world, they had all gathered together for this, this festival, Pentecost. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, meaning aren't they all a bunch of hicks from out in the country? How in the world do they know my language? How in the world could they know my language? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, meaning tons of places, the vast majority, and probably all of which, none of these 120 had ever been to. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And I wonder if they were saying, well, I'm glad you asked. But some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So this is actually where Taylor Swift got that song. Haters are always going to hate. There's always going to be some in the crowd. Thank you for the courtesy laughter. That was kind of you. <laughs> So we go on. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And the cool thing about this is in verse 4 where it said, as the Spirit enabled them to speak in a language they did know, it's the same word in Greek that where it says he addressed the crowd. Same thing. Spirit enabled him to speak in a language he didn't know, then enabled him to speak in a language he did know and all the crowd knew as well. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. You wondered what's going on? Let me tell you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So it goes back to one of the Old Testament prophets in our Bible. In the last day, God, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So men and women. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So now it's not by age either. Even on my servants. So now it's not socioeconomic status or how high up you are in the community or uh, the national chain. Both men and women. Again, both genders, both sexes. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, which that starts to refer to Jesus' second coming. And then the big final point of this portion, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why all of this? Why any of this? Why this? what's happened with these 120? So that everyone, all who call on the name of the Lord would be saved. See, up until this point in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, when someone was anointed by the Holy Spirit, it was a specific person in a specific time for a specific purpose. So, and usually a prophet, a priest, or a king, or before they had kings, it was whoever was the leader of the tribes of Israel. So it was always a particular person, particular time for a particular role. And now God is saying, my desire has always been that it would be a people of prophets, that my word would go through everybody, that it wouldn't matter if you were male or female. What had been intended in the garden is being restored, that men and women can, can speak forth the word of God to other people, that they may come to Jesus. That young and old, you don't have to be at a certain age threshold. threshold. You don't have to be at a certain socioeconomic status. That all people filled with the Spirit can speak the word of God to other people. What Peter was enabled to do in a language he didn't know, he now did do in a language that he did know, such that the guy who would not even tell a servant girl that he was a follower of Jesus was now declaring, and you'll see by the end of the chapter that we won't read to, to thousands, the rest, like the next like 20 verses, the next 10 or 15 verses are all about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. His death, his miracles, his resurrection, he is declaring Jesus again and again. All this right here, all that you guys are seeing, this is to declare Jesus and your need for him. In fact, he tells them that what, what is happening actually right then at that moment, Jesus was doing. He says in verse 33, Peter says, exalted to the right hand of God. He, that is Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. This gift is a gift of love to empower us to perform an act of love by sharing Jesus with other people. And it's not like a little splash of Jesus. When they heard you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, they knew that was complete immersion. They knew that that was something intense. They knew that that was something full. And that's what they got. And the impact was dramatic. The impact was dramatic. In fact, if you read on through the rest of the chapter, which I encourage you to do, your, your three anchors, your three reels, real community, real devotion, real responsibility, you look at the tail end of this chapter, it, it totally ratcheted up what that looked like. The impact on their community was dramatic, on their, uh, their Christian community and what that meant in, their, uh, in the, the broader community. And look at the transformation in this man, Peter. All that we talked about in the Gospels before, in the Gospel of Luke, you look at him now in this moment in Acts chapter 2 and then the rest of, uh, of the book of Acts, Eight times Peter is mentioned and the Holy Spirit is mentioned with him. Here in Acts 2, then in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, he's been arrested 
For he and John lay their hands on a guy, and the guy got healed, which was pretty intense. And so he gets drugged before the religious rulers, and the guy who wouldn't even announce to a servant girl who Jesus was, that he was a follower of Jesus, is now standing before the religious elite, declaring Jesus. And before that, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he began to, to teach about Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 9, which I, you guys may be talking about uh, later on this semester, by the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, he challenges Ananias and Sapphira and how they would lie to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, verse 17, he and John placed their hands on New Samaritan believers and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, virtually the same thing happens at Cornelius' household when Peter is told by the Holy Spirit to go to a Gentile's house, which you did not do as a Jew. And he starts talking to them about Jesus, and all of a sudden the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on them as well. And they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is for them too. Because the same gift that we got, they've gotten, because they started speaking in tongues and prophesying as well. Peter needed a gift. Peter received his gift, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so that he had power to share Jesus. Not that he would be the destination, but that he would be the conduit through which the power of God would go, that he would walk like Jesus. Jesus didn't always do miracles, but he did do some. But he spent time with people and his conversations were dramatically different than what people normally heard. His life was dramatically different. He wants to give you power to live differently, to speak differently, and at times to pray and it be different than what people have experienced before. That's what he desires. And so 3,000 respond that day and they yell out to the 12 brothers they're cut to the heart what shall we do and peter responds in verses 38 and 39 repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the lord our god will call that's us we're in that far off. I mean, we're way far off. <laughs> we're 2,000 years after that far off. We're in that far off as well. Fruit takes time to cultivate, but gifts show up to receptive hearts. They had waited. They had hungered, and they didn't even know what it would look like. But then the outcome of their wait, the outcome of their hunger was dramatic transformation of their community and their community of believers. There's a lot of gifts that we go after, most of which we don't need. Getting a potato gun, is, it's nice, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I'm not that great at it. But this gift, this gift changes things. This gift changes things. We need this gift for our family's sake. I know there's a lot of messed up families. You need this gift for your fellow students' sake. I know there's a lot of messed up situations. You need this gift for your campus's sake. You need this gift for the sake of the spring break trips that you're going on. You need this gift for the sake of you are getting ready to graduate and you are taking Jesus to the market. You need this gift. Peter needed it, the 120 needed, and they received as they waited on Jesus, even though they weren't sure what it was going to look, what it was going to look like. How will we know if the gift comes the same way Peter and the other 119 did? The same way the 3,000 recognized it came. The same way, again, later on in the book of Acts, Peter knew when he was at Cornelius' household, whoa, this is the exact same thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost. 
You may speak in a language, or you, you'll speak in a language you don't know so that in the future moments you can speak in a language you do know with power to declare the wonders of God to other people, the glory of Jesus to other people. The beauty of that time of wait, which you've been in basically for a week, and I know you had a worship night last week, you got a worship night coming up this week. The beauty of that time of wait is it allows the heart to be receptive to Jesus, to, to kind of experience what faith was experiencing on that journey out to Missouri and those couple of days at that conference, just kind of processing, Lord, what is this that you want? What, what does this mean? What does your word say? Where is my heart? So you can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want if he can have as much of you as he wants. And I think a lot of times that's the, the part that kind of becomes the stopping point is we start holding back so he has no place to put himself. We start closing off areas so he has no way to pour in. How much will you allow him to have? Even tonight, his promise extends to all of us, to all who are far off. And tonight, what tonight is about is to be an opportunity for you to receive that gift. For an opportunity for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to take time. Rachel's going to come back up and just be, play more instrumental just to have an atmosphere in here for us to seek the face of Jesus. To wait on him as the 120 waited on him. We probably won't wait 10 days as they waited. We, we understand that some of y'all got to like missions meetings and stuff like that. And I know there's a worship night later, later on this week to be another opportunity for you to receive. I just remember a couple years ago at Fairmont State, we had a student uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit at Salt. One. I mean, it's not like there were 100. One baptized in the Holy Spirit at Salt. He came back. There was some enthusiasm about that. And we, there was a, I think it was the next thing was like a, a leaders meeting. And like two more students were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we had a... a, a our meetings were on Thursday nights at a Thursday night worship. We had like an extended time afterwards, like we're having tonight. And there was like six or eight students baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then in somebody's small group, they were praying and somebody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then like we had what were called resource groups where our core groups, core group leaders gathered together and a couple other students were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this went on all semester long, ones and twos and threes and twos and ones and just back and forth. And by the end of the semester, 40 students were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was astounding. But you couldn't point to any person that orchestrated this. This was just because hearts were hungry and Jesus was ready. I'm not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Josh and Katie are not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Rachel's not. Hunter, Julia, Faith, you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Remember, Peter said to them, the promised Holy Spirit, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus pours out the Spirit on you. Not, not me, Jesus does that. So how do we prepare our own hearts? How, how, how do we even wait in a few moments? How, we, we do what Peter said, repent. If, and some of that may mean maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, I've seen his, I've heard about him in, the, in the, my core group where we've been talking about him. I, I wanna follow him. Repent just means turn from the way of life now that you have and follow Jesus. And sometimes I know for us as followers of Jesus, we allow some things to come into our lives that we need to turn from. So repent. And then Peter said, be baptized. And, and we, we don't have, like, we're not getting one of the garbage cans tonight. But I would, I would say, like, just make the commitment into your, in your heart. If you've not been water baptized, make the commitment. Tell it to somebody else. Hey, I want it, the next time we have an opportunity or have an opportunity to home church, I'm doing it. Make the commitment, resolve in your heart, and tell someone else. And then I would just say thirst. 
Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 39, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And John explains, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, i.e. in Acts 2, up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified, meaning crucified and resurrected. Focus in on Jesus, worship him, speak to him, love him out loud. When, when we go into this time of worship tonight, when, when uh, Rachel's leading us, voice your praises to God in your, in, in your native language, whether that's English or something else. Voice those praises to God. Tell him you love him. You don't have to do it loud. I'm, I mean, we got a lot of people in the room. so But voice those praises to God. Ask a friend to pray for you. If you, if you look in the, in the book of Acts, as you all go through it, you'll see a lot of times people prayed for one another and they were baptized in the Spirit. Tonight, Hunter, Julia, myself, I think some others will be available on the sides um, to pray with you. If you if you like someone to pray with you, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then just ask in faith. Listen, listen to what Jesus said in, in Luke 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And he says to the, about a group of guys, what do you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask in faith. Lord, I've read your word. Lord, I've listened, listened to the testimony of people that I, I respect. Lord, I, I just, I want more. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I ask in faith. I ask in faith and then step out in faith. Remember when Peter stepped out of the boat, he said, Jesus, tell me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come. And then he stood in the boat and nothing happened. No, he stepped out of the boat. That's the point right there that I think is the, I've talked to students sometimes and they'll say, so will I be possessed? I'm like, no, your eyes are not going to roll back in your head. I mean, this is not, this is God working through you, like with you. So as you speak in, in your native language, English, English or whatever else, in praises to God, then as God begins to drop another language into your head or into your heart, just speak that out in faith. As you ask in faith, step out in faith. Because the same thing will then happen later on when you're standing with someone in the line at Panda Express and God begins to drop English into your head that you need to then step out in faith and say to them in line, hey, I just feel like God wanted me to share this with you. And you feel like it's not a big deal and all of a sudden God drops a bomb on them. I have seen, I have stu seen students out of love for someone else who wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and this student wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they prayed for them because they loved them. And as they were praying, they themselves were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've seen students come on a night like this, pray, 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 and it had not happened, and they went home to their apartment and just prayed for about 10 minutes more and were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I've just seen a variety of things happen. Rejoice in the fact that you're opening your heart more to Jesus. Rejoice in the fact that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to reign in every area and receive from Him. And then as you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, because this gift is for you and for all who are far off, expect opportunities to share about the glory of Jesus in the language you know best to other people.
That's the ultimate goal. Again, again, this isn't destination. This is becoming a conduit so that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the glory and beauty, the love, the amazingness of Jesus ends up in more and more hearts and the world is transformed or in the language of Josh Moran, world domination in the holiest manner possible. I want to invite you right now um, to stand. And Rachel, if you want to come back up and whoever may be uh, leading, leading that with you. First off, I just want to say thank you for your attentiveness. Uh, just lean it in and, and just to watch so many of you taking notes. It's just really cool. It speaks highly of your heart. And I want to thank you for responding to Rachel's message last week and just taking time on Friday night to be at the worship night and taking some time throughout the week to kind of process and to wait on the Lord. And tonight we, we start turning the quarter on that wait um, to receive. So I want to I lead us in an opening prayer. And then I, want, I just encourage you to begin praising the Lord out loud in English. You don't have, again, you don't have to do it loud. You can find a spot on the sides if you want to. You can come up towards the front. You can kneel. You can stand. Um, that, that's up to you. But I encourage you, vocalize in English. And then as he drops in, vocalize in whatever language he gives you. I don't think you have to expect like graduate level language. Uh, for me, it was like three words that were repeated again and again at first that have become a more full language as time has gone on and I've exercised faith. So I want to pray and then we can begin to, to seek and you can, like, like I said, seek a couple of us out to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the baptizer in the spirit. Lord, I thank you for hungry hearts. I thank you for receptive ears. Lord, I thank you for a desire to receive from you, to give out to others. The word of truth that has so transformed our lives about you, Jesus. Lord, we recognize sometimes we just don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We need your help. Holy Spirit, would you come? We open our hearts. We open our minds to you. We invite you in. We understand that we don't know exactly how all this looks. We don't necessarily have all of our questions answered, but we put our academic mind to the, on the side for just a moment to seek you, to seek you, to desire you, and to receive from you, Jesus. So I pray, Jesus, you will do what you promised here, your promised gift that you will pour out your spirit as you did 2,000 years ago on that day of Pentecost, these young men and women. We pray this in Jesus' name. So I encourage you to begin just exercising that praise to the Lord in English, and then just be ready to see what he does next. Thank you.